This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. We are officially ready to begin our College Contender Series, breaking down our top 10 teams heading into the 2022 college tennis season. For those of you that didn't tune in last year, here's what you can expect over the next 10 weeks. Each and every week, John Parsons and I, and then Matt Stachowiak, Chris Halioris, and I will come together on Tuesdays and Thursdays here on the GSP to break down each of the teams in our top 10 preseason rankings. We'll talk to the head coach coach of each of those teams over on our Cracked Interviews podcast feed. And then, of course, John and Matt will be writing about each of these teams on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, things we'll be focusing on in these episodes. We'll recap each team's 2021 campaign, discuss the strengths and weaknesses of their roster, project the team's possible lineups, offer some predictions, and so much more. We are so excited to begin this series. So excited for the start of another fantastic college tennis season of course on today's episode you're going to hear us talk about our number 10 team heading into the women's college tennis season the Ohio State Buckeyes I am joined by John Parsons to talk about the Buckeyes campaign in 2021 the aforementioned strengths and weaknesses of their roster we'll talk lineups talk predictions talk biggest challenges in their way to trying uh, in trying to accomplish what they want to accomplish excuse me it is a super exciting episode that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy so let's get to it without further ado college contenders episode number one on the women's side we're talking number 10 ohio state buckeyes west off hit those credits let's start today's show Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Joining us for our first College Contenders podcast of the 2022 College Contenders series is our newest contributor here on our Crack Racket shows. You may know his work as writer of the No Ad No Problem blog. I know him as my friend John Parsons. Jay, welcome back to the show. Hey, great shot. How are you doing today? I'm good. I think the better question, Gruskin, is how are you doing after a, a rough weekend and where was the Harry Jaden braggadocious tweet i was looking forward all weekend well i won't say what he texted me but harry's far too classy to make that sort of thing public it was rough it was not great i'm sad you went there 
I haven't recorded an episode yet with Chris and Matt. I anticipate they're going to do the same. I'm mentally preparing myself. Am I comfortable with the amount of trash I talked? Absolutely. You leave it out there in the Twitter sphere. What happens, happens. Am I comfortable with the result? We should have f-ing killed them. I can't believe we lost that game. Like, it's it's crushing, absolutely. And I believe there is some Michigan State gear on the way. I believe there will be a video on behalf of me to Michigan State Universe. Um, but not great. Not, I was feeling a lot better before that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, if I bothered you up on the last pod, I had to bring you back down to earth on this pod. So that's uh, good. I could level set. I'll I'll pivot here. It was a fantastic Halloween night. I did something I haven't done in a generation, and that's go to a house party and like visit friends here in Indianapolis, which I didn't know I had. And all I could say on Saturday, just all day long, I was like, friends. Duh, 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 duh. <laughs> How many of us have them? And I was like, I do. But anyways, obviously, I don't know if you know this about me. I'm not a think in advance kind of guy. I'm play it out in the moment. And not a shock, did not have a Halloween costume in advance. There were these two poop hats at, at whatever store we went to, Party City or whatever. And I was like, dude, what if we wear these and we just go as pieces of shit? Like the poop emoji? Yeah, and just in hat form. And and major hit major major hit because the amount of times because after the house party we went to the bars and it was like oh are you are you a piece of and it's like (laughs) yeah they're like oh that's pretty funny and you're just like conversation started um and so it was a victory i suppose there was a silver lining in it all in that the 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 pain of defeat inspired creativity that led to success that's amazing but what they didn't know is you didn't need to dress up (laughs) yeah It's true. It's very, very true. It's, I mean, objectively, I said the hat is actually just a fashion choice. Uh, yeah, that's just to accentuate it because otherwise you wouldn't be certain. Um, but no, it was, a, it was a good Halloween weekend, and we're recording this on Monday, November 1st. I'm now officially at the age where I look at trick-or-treaters and I go, oh, that's really cute. I was like, that's a nice outfit. Here's two pieces of candy. I feel like I'm now officially that old. How was your Halloween experience? And I'm about to judge you. Give me your go-to Halloween candy. For consumption or for giving out? Oh, for consumption. Giving out is right. If I don't like you, you're getting an almond joy, um, which is just an ironic name because there is no joy in that almond. No, there's no joy. Um, so uh, two favorite candies. One and oh well, you'll like this one. Uh, Reese's cups. Yeah, you're pandering. That's fine. <laughs> the second is star is Starburst. Oh, um, what color? I used uh, red and pink. Correct answer. Go on. Yeah. So I used to I used to hoard those, um, you know, as part of you know we all hoard as, as your kids, and so I would, um, you know, like siphon off the the red and the the pinks and put the like oranges and yellows back in the bag or back in the else. trade market. That's what I miss most about trick or treating is the post trade like the post trick or treat trading. And you know, I had two brothers. That was a staple of us, our friends. Like you're pouring out the bags and let's yep. organize. Yep. Um, I miss that very, very surprisingly uh, more than I expect. It's just like that's that's the closest I get to setting my lineup. I'm like, all right, Reese's one. <laughs> uh, yeah, something with caramel two. Ooh, is that a full candy bar? I'm going to throw that in in three because it's high upside regardless of what size, it is. Yeah. It's based on size. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And anyways, with all of that said, uh, I'm glad you enjoyed your Halloween experience. What's your last one I'll throw at you? most recognizable tennis costume someone could wear is it still borg and agassi i do think that's probably the one if you go with borg and the wig and the white 
shirt, white, sh- you know, short shorts, headband. You're like, oh yeah, yeah. you're Borg. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I would say people would not guess Borg. They would say McEnroe. Sure. Um, which counts? I, which counts? I saw that Twitter thread, and I would agree. Um, although I think probably you know the peak Serena years, people going in Ser- Serena was probably more recognizable. Um, but that could be my bias. With all of that said. The reason we had you on the show, as we mentioned on the top, is because it's time to kick off our College Contender Series. And for those of you who are new to our College uh, Contender Series, what we try to do before the start of each and every season now is offer our top 10 preseason teams entering the dual match season. Now, last year, we were only able to do that for the men. I am super ecstatic to be able to do that with, uh, with the women, with you this year, John. And you know, again, we have our Cracked Rackets polls. It's really just myself and various Cracked Rackets contributors voting in said polls. But we agreed on our top 10 teams heading into the season. And, of course, one of the themes I want to talk about before we get into our number 10 team, how difficult these exercises are. I mean, you and I, 45-minute, hour-long conversation for the men. It was similar hour, maybe hour and a half, because we get very stupid when there's three of us, and it's like someone's going to give a good take, and then every so often someone's got to repeat that take a little bit earlier as well. But it's a struggle, particularly in these times where, and I said this last time, we have five classes of players right now for you know generally four years of spots. And as such, the talent at the top and the depth required to be at the top of college tennis It's just a step above what we were accustomed to seeing in the 2010s. And look, that's going to be the case for the next three seasons until all of those players with that extra year of COVID eligibility age out. And that's not a burden by, oh, it's both. It's a burden for the coaches, I suppose. It's a blessing for us college tennis fans uh, because certainly the quality of play is raised, but it makes, you know, filling out these lists pretty difficult. And, you know, I do have our short list here of teams who just missed the cut. I want to read those now before we get into our number 10 team. But you look at the short list for us again. There are a lot of good teams left off this list. You look at a team like a Cal who brings back a ton of talent and obviously, you know, are always in a Pac-12 with UCLA, USC, Stanford, they're getting good matches from a ranking perspective. If Cal is good, it will be reflected in the rankings. They're a team that's had success over the past decade, multiple top 15 and top 10 quality teams. And I think the only person they lose is Anna Bright, right? At the bottom of their lineup, they or maybe one other, but they bring back someone in Haley Giovara who has all of the ingredients to be a top player in college tennis. And just, you know, again, with the experience they bring back, that's a short list team. We'll start there. That I mean, I mean, I guess I'll go through them all, and then I want to hear your thoughts. Another one, and we'll talk about them on this podcast in particular. Michigan's really good, and it might not be this season. And we'll talk about them when we get to our spicy takes here on our number ten team pod. That might be a spoiler for who we have, but they're very young, but very talented. Oklahoma. It's an interesting group of players, not exactly a blended team. There are some new faces, but there are a lot of good new faces. And that's a team, Big 12. Yes, there's Texas, but what else is there in the Big 12? Baylor was good almost by proxy, last, by osmosis, just by virtue of being the second team. And there's a place for that, as we saw in the top 16. You look at teams like Florida, Florida State, traditionally strong. Florida State doesn't have a roster right now, <laughs> but... I'm waiting mean, on it. Yeah, I'm in on Coach Hale. Like, I'm just on the bandwagon. And so uh, Florida State's a team for me. Florida's had some really successful results. And after two, three off seasons, it feels like they're getting back to where they belong. 
UCF was one of the darlings of last year. I think NC State, I know they've got some things up their sleeve. They're always going to be in the mix. All Again, so 10 plus the seven teams. There's 17 teams right there that I think are all worthy of top 16 seeds potentially come NCAA time. Where are you on the depth of this year's group? Yeah, so many good comments there. I think uh, I undersold uh, how difficult it was to create this list. Um, (laughs) So I give you all props for doing that. Uh, It's much easier to look and say, oh, they should switch six and seven versus coming up with it from scratch. Um, So all all credit there. Um, I mean, I would posit that it's the women are more challenging this year than the men. Uh, And the reason for that is... I think the depth in that specific tier that you talked about, this like eight, who is the eight through 16, to me is totally an open question. Uh, And so narrowing it down as we got to eight, nine, 10, and who you leave off that list, extremely difficult. Also extremely difficult, the fact that, you know, we're starting this today, I can guarantee you when we get to our top teams, more information will have come out about some of the schools we've it's already discussed. the worst discussed. part about starting this in November. Exactly. So uh, you can guarantee that that these things change, which makes some of the hot takes probably more hilarious in the future. Um, <laughs> but, I, I mean, absolutely. I couldn't be more excited, one, to be doing the women this year, um, and two, just the, the depth in women's tennis continues to be uh, just incredible. And it was really trans- uh, apparent to me as good as I was going through and, and doing this top ten. So my slight counter to you, I think it's harder to pick 10 teams on the women's side. I think it's harder to pick an order on the men's side. Picking, I mean, when I, like, we'll do this on the podcast so listeners will hear a version of it. But when I tell you, like, the twists and turns in our top four reveals that Matt, Chris, and I did amongst ourselves, where Chris goes, well, I thought you were going to do this. So I did this. And I was like, dude, I thought you were going to do this. So I had to do this. And it's just like, and it's just like, yeah, but the margins are so thin. So everyone wants to zig, right? Or you want to be the zag. And it's just, it's really hard because there are seven really good teams. You know, there are seven very good teams. How do you order them on the men's side? Like really, really difficult. I think for the women, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I hate to break this to you. Um, but that's actually the game within the game that you, Matt, and Chris are playing. That is not actually coming up with the top 10 list. Um, That's the gamification for, oh, I thought you were, you know. Um, I would counter, it is much more important, however, to get the top 10 teams than it is to get the exact order within the top 10. So I agree with you there. And that's where I think it's like, because you know how good Pepperdine is. You know how good Texas is. It's not a spoiler to say those are going to be at minimum top three teams and I want to give the whole ball game away but on the men's side like when I tell you our debate about Texas I think that was 30 minutes where it was like was what was their record last year like 12 and 1 in four three matches or something stupid was that a facade like did everything just break perfectly for them and yeah even with CMR in the mix and the new guys they get is there going to be regression like that was part of it as well it's like but okay they bring back everyone are you going to have them above Baylor? Like, I don't know. And so, again, that's part of the struggle of doing this list. I think it's different because, as you mentioned, there may be a couple of clear-cut contenders, but then there's a lot unknown because, mm-hmm. you know, Georgia, they lose a tour de force in Jokic. And 
you know, for North Carolina, it's a new generation of players. As yep. talented as they are, the old guard is gone, and UVA's young and scrappy, and UCLA, yeah, they lost some players, but they still got Forbes. They've still got Bolton. You bet your lunch money on any, you know, any team that has those two as the foundation. A&M's scrappy. Stanford's scrappy. All these teams are scrappy. I mentioned the teams we left out of this list, and I know I just if you if some people could piece together what I just said and be like, okay, boop, 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 boop. okay, that was their order. But of the teams I mentioned, uh, and you look at the short list again, Cal. Uh, I, did we miss any Ivy League teams? Should we have maybe put some Ivies in there? Uh, Princeton. I think Princeton's going to be really good. We may have forgotten them, but I think Princeton's a go-to Ivy this year. Yeah, Cal, NC State, Florida, Oklahoma, UCF, Michigan, Florida State, Princeton. If you were to take one team in and take out our number 10 team, who do you pick? Well, yeah, I'll go with Oklahoma. Okay. You know, I think we were debating um, some Cal, but I'm super bullish on Oklahoma. Um, You know I love this take of yours. (laughs) (laughs) My hot take is that they beat Texas at least once this season. Um, And I'm super intrigued to see what they do. Um, It's exciting to have an additional team in in the Big 12 um, compete with with Texas and the others. So, um, uh, if nothing else, I think it's a really interesting team to unpack, which is why I would probably, um, you know, usurp uh, our top ten team just to discuss uh, the Oklahoma team and kind of what they're what they're putting together. As you mentioned, kind of like some factors from yeah. all sorts of places, uh, which makes it uh, intriguing to me to see how it all comes together. Yeah, I, I think that's a good call. <sighs> NC State is my hipster take because you know there's some things that I know. Um, Michigan is going to be it's going to be a roller coaster for me with the Wolverines this season and with them in mind we can actually get into today's conversation because even with all the young talent the Wolverines have the favorites entering the 2022 Big Ten season and you know a team we agree given the depth given the talent they have up top the returning starters the talent the experience that combination we have Ohio State as our number 10 team entering the 2021 season. And for those of you who, again, are listening to these podcasts for the first time, what Jay and I are going to be doing here, we're going to be recapping all of these teams last year's. We'll talk about the returning roster, the newcomers on the team, talk through some possible lineups, offer a hot take on each team. That is going to be something new we add to this podcast. I'm going to do some brainstorming as well. I've got a new segment or two I'm just you know kicking around. I'm Christian pondering that I'm not quite ready to unveil, but we may get to those as we get further on in this series. Uh, but then, of course, offer their uh, conference outlook, talk about the schedules if they're out, offer some predictions at the end as well. When you look at this Ohio State team, and by the way, to read about these teams each and every week, hop on over to our website, crackrackets.com, where Jay is going to be writing about each of these teams, breaking down all these categories in depth. I read your first piece. You blew Stokowiak out of the water. It's 1-0, Jay, through week number one. And yes, we, I am going to be keeping score because that's what we do here at Crack Rackets. Uh, but you talked about it, and you and I, I immediately took note of this line. And I try, you know, I try only to edit for like commas and bad grammar because I want your thoughts to be your thoughts. And I thought it was fascinating. You said 2021 third best season in program history for the Buckeyes. Now I have the guide in front of me what they've accomplished in the past. Unequivocally, 2017, where they make the semifinals, 32 and three overall, undefeated in the Big Ten. They have Francesca Di Lorenzo, who has gone on to be a top 125 player on tour and was the NCAA champion that season. 
that was or it was that season right or was it the next year point is DiLorenzo eventual NCAA champion um that was no not a champion no. she lost in the final Tw- 2016 was Danielle Collins 2017 was um your Michigan Wolverine uh, Brian Brian Minor. Minor. you're right that's a story I'll tell you off mic as well um but DiLorenzo won a title did she not am I crazy here I think she won it in doubles with Kawasi you're right that's what it was I am blamed but the point is she was an all-american winner she was number one in the country she's outstanding throughout her college career and when you have a tour de force like that at the top of your lineup you're gonna have success that's your number one you know, quarterfinals the year before, 31-13 and 13 overall, undefeated in the Big Ten. Sure, that that's a very good season as well, but there was just— That was DiLorenzo's freshman year. Yeah, but there was something about this Ohio State team in 2021. And for me, I think it started at the National Indoors, and this is a team that went 23-4 and four overall. They lose their first, you know, first weekend of the Indoors. They beat Syracuse, and they knock off a very good Virginia team, 4-2. They go to the Indoors— they lose their first match 4-0 to North Carolina. But to watch this team bounce back, 4-3 victory over Georgia Tech, and then even the loss they had, 4-3 to Northwestern, just the context of that loss, how close that match was. And that Sunday at the National Indoors was the most chaotic day I've ever experienced from a broadcast perspective, just match after match, 4-3, 4-3. Even freaking Oklahoma State and their five-person rosters pushing for like – it was just – it was insane. I just loved the way this Ohio State team scrapped. And I guess quarterfinals portending to the semifinals, yeah, I guess from a results standpoint, you'd argue this is the third best. But there was just a realness to this result. It felt very similar to 2016. It just feels like this is foreshadowing a big year for the Buckeyes. I really enjoyed what they did in 2021. Where were you after their season? I think that's an interesting parallel. Um, if 2016 was where they, you know, really came on the scene with DiLorenzo at, at the helm, um, and then followed by, you know, an even better year, um, one could argue they might have done that in 2020 yes. and then 2021. Um, so we might see that in 2021 and 2022. Um, I mean, I think what's interesting, and we're going to see this a lot as we discuss these top 10 teams, is what impact COVID had. Um, and immediately, I think you have to call that out as you look to Ohio State's 2021, right? They were faced with really strict conference uh, restrictions. They didn't have any fall play, only had, you know, dual uh, matches within their conference. Uh, and I think you saw that play out within 2021. Uh, I talk about in the article how, you know, they lose to North Carolina. They lose in that third set tiebreak to North- Northwestern. They lose one additional match um, to your Wolverines in, in February. And, and then they kind of uh, turn everything around, right? They have a 15-match undefeated streak uh, before losing in the NCAAs. And I think a lot of that is probably due to the lack of match play that they had in the fall um, and kind of the limited conference schedule. So I think you really saw them come into their own later on in the season. And I anticipate that they'll carry that momentum into 2022, feeling like they have something to prove. Yeah, no, you brought it up again, the 15-match win streak to win the Big Ten Conference title, to make the NCAA round of 16, only team uh, other than Pepperdine to take a point off Texas. But the point you made there I really want to hone in on, this was a team that lost Shiori Fukuda, 
who was playing at the top of their lineup. Batin was a top 15 player in the country uh, in that 2020 season, a team that lost Danielle Wolf, who was very much this, you know, one of the spiritual leaders of the team and was that connective thread from the 2016-2017 era to where they were at. And that was a team that was 9-3 and and you know, a 4-3 loss to Texas at the National Indoors, 4-1 to a Georgia Tech team that was clicking on all cylinders with Kenya Jones and Vicky Flores at the 2020 Indoors. And, you know, they had earned wins over an Oklahoma State team, over Duke teams that were super, you know, with super high expectations entering the season. And then that was robbed from them. And then you're right, we don't see them for the entire fall. And it was a team that, despite having you know, a few veterans sprinkled in here and there, was still trying to figure out its lineup, trying to find itself, its gears. And, you know, if Ohio State is going to make a 2016 to 2017 level jump, it starts with probably with Contos Ciamares, who was very, very good last season. And you look at the stats uh, for her. She ends the year, I believe, 17 and 6 overall in dual matches, 22 and 6 overall in the year, 12 and 6 at the number one singles position. I mean, that's a rock. The key for them, though, 21 and 5 at 4, 21 and 2 at 5, 20 and 4 at 6 singles. That's a cumulative 85% win percentage. I'm stealing your stats here. They dropped four doubles points on the season. I mean, again, when you look back at this 2021 uh, Ohio State team, I think what was so impressive is it wasn't just like a one freshman wonder, right? Or it wasn't just like, hey, we're, we're clicking here. It was that they had found a formula. They had found a rest. It's like we are, I mean, maybe not against Texas, but we are winning doubles, four, five, six. And Arena's going to be competing everywhere at one, and we'll get into two and three a little bit later in this show. But that's that's the key. When you find a recipe, that's what makes you a top 10 team is that, like, you know, five pieces of that ingredient is coming back this year. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I write about that a little bit in the article in terms of how Ohio State, for me, uh, initially was kind of the the DiLorenzo years and then they regressed back to the pre DiLorenzo type uh, success and now it's clear to me that the Buckeyes have turned themselves into a program that's not just built on a single player um, and this past year they really developed that recipe of success that, that you mentioned and for me it was always a question of how much of this is just because they're only playing big 10 matches and no disrespect to the big 10 but you look at some of the four five and sixes um kind of the, in the mid big 10 schools like you would expect ohio state to be winning those matches easily and so when they took on texas um and both their five and six were split you know in third sets dead even uh with texas i was like okay these weren't just players who were you know steamrolling through big 10 competition they were also players that could compete at the highest levels um and so that was a huge factor for them and i expect will continue to be as they as we look into 2022 and one thing to note as well this is the most experienced team we have in our top 10 yep, in terms they of return- veteran returners and just the in- combination Exactly. They're the only team to return five of their six single stars of last year, and all five of those players are upperclassmen. Mm-hmm. Now, Pepperdine's Janice Chen and that entire roster would be like, oh, we're pretty, you know, Vicky Flores. They'd be like, we're pretty experienced. But in terms of experience playing together, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and, you know, Janice Chen is still a sophomore. Yeah, that's right? true. Um, but so, I mean, you had all five of these players who all played together um at least you know last year um and they're all upperclassmen now so they at least have two seasons under their belt um i think that's going to be very impactful they've clearly been spending a lot of time together during this covid time 
Um, and I think that will play out. Yeah, and I think they would have maybe lost once to Michigan, but I'm just going to include the 2020 season in this fact. Four of the last six seasons, they've lost five or fewer matches, and it's been three or fewer matches if you want to be specific. They just didn't play out the entirety of 2020, but that's a program that has established itself at the top of the Big Ten, and to your point, I mean, the Big Ten was open. It was Michigan, it was Northwestern, and not a lot of South, not a lot else, respectfully. Ohio, Ohio State is Ohio State. It did not make sense for them to not have an upper echelon women's tennis program. And, and to a credit to Coach Schaub, in her 10th year at the, at the helm, she has now built that. And with that in mind, let's get into the team they bring back here in 2022. And if this team is going to make a jump, as I said earlier, it probably starts with a jump out of Junior Arena Cantos CMRs, who... Again, 12-6 and six in dual matches at the number one singles position is not a poor performance at all for the sophomore. And you look at what she was able to accomplish just, again, on an individual level. Some of the wins she was able to earn uh, down the home stretch. She earns victories, I believe. And, of course, they're going to have her in the S category here on this uh, on the score sheet. So i got to scroll down a little bit further. But, you know, again, for her... Her and Cardi Miller, it's maybe the best rivalry now emerging in women's tennis. They play, you know, the three-set match she loses in February. She then wins the three-set match to clinch in—or it's unfinished, excuse me, when they play in May. She earns victory over Peyton Stearns at the NCAA tournament. She—you know, the only losses really were consecutive losses to Alexa Noel, who kind of had her number uh, during the Big Ten season. Those were the only two for her during that stretch and then again the loss to Cardi Miller in February you also look at what she's been able to accomplish here early this season now in the fall you look for uh, I believe she's now nine and four overall here on the year and you just look at you know the results uh, she was able to get uh, at the All-American and over the course of the regionals she uh, you know gets wins over I believe uh, Marley Zane of Florida gets a win over Atanaki of Mississippi State beats Vicki Hu of Princeton uh, gets a win over Julia Fliegner and you know Andrea Serdan of Michigan as well and you knew I had to drop the Julia Fliegner reference as quickly as possible of course nine and four is not slap you in the face impressive but is the jump there does it feel like she's ready for that junior leap that junior jump forward that respectfully probably has to happen for this team to go from top 10 to quarterfinals or better yeah it it, it has to happen i'm not sure it's there yet um i'm not sure we saw her play a ton over the the summer um you know and so sometimes these fall results uh can be a little bit all over the place as players are, are getting accustomed but that is going to be a critical piece for them um you know she she's i think demonstrated the same level that she was at when we finished the the last season you know she's ranked number seven um and i think she needs to to to, to demonstrate results of a number seven player I'm not sure she's quite there yet um so, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how those things evolve over the coming months and, and see where her level is at when we start uh, the ITA kickoff and, and the indoors. Um, because right now, I would, you know, when we look at these top teams and these number one players, um, I, I think you probably don't favor her uh, in those matches. Um, and I think Ohio State needs to at least be kind of feeling 50-50 in those matches um, to have a, a good shot because then the recipe starts to come together um, if that becomes a toss-up. Yeah, no, I mean, I have some of the UTRs pulled up here, and, you know, Kari Miller, 
0.04 higher by UTR. That matches a toss-up, but you look at some of the other, and, you know, she'd be favored over a Shusharina, but she would trail Lisa Czar, Tasha Pavlichenkova, Janice Chen, all three of them uh, for Pepperdine uh, by UTR. She trails, you know, Peyton Stearns and Charlotte Chavatapan and Kylie Collins as well for Texas and you know, again, you look at some of the other top players in the country. She is a bit behind them, not quite over that 11 threshold, which is the magic number for the elite of the elite in women's college tennis. But she does have that sort of upside. And again, she's a scrapper. Like, it's it's not the biggest game, but she moves the ball so well around the court. She moves so well around the court. Lefty as well. You always yep. love that matchup. I mean, it, that is the question, is how good is Arena match-in, match-out? Because, of course, you look through the rest of the lineup, it's a lot of familiar faces, as we mentioned. You get Isabel Boulay back, who wasn't exceptional last season by you know any metric, but still a solid year for her overall, as you look for Isabel Boulay at the number two singles position. She goes, I believe, 7-4 and four overall, 12-6 in dual matches on the season. You know, Coley Allen, we can get there in a second, uh, seven, uh, ten and eleven in dual matches, seven and five at the three singles position. But the spirit she gives this team again, the fight. There's an intangible quality Coley brings to every match that they just need that on the court because they've got some machines at the bottom of the lineup. Again, uh, twenty one and five at the four singles position. At the end, it was Lucia Marzal uh, who goes nine and zero, and they get her back. They get back uh, Luna Dorme as well, who went ten and one at the six singles position, eight and zero at the five singles position, nineteen and one overall in dual matches. They lose Hofbauer, who went eight and three, of course, at four singles, fourteen seven overall in this season, and was a key piece to making that bottom three whole. But I mean, again, Marcel eleven and two at, at at the five singles position. Dorme ten and one at six singles. I believe both went undefeated in Big Ten play. It's a lot of pieces. It's just like finding their way to three singles victories amongst those five players. It feels very possible. We haven't even talked about the the returning doubles component in you know Allen Allen and uh, Boulay, who are a top fifteen doubles team, and just that experience that brings as well. There's a lot to like. Again, there's a lot to like. I don't know if there's anything to love about this lineup. Well, I think that's going to be the the question: is what does the lineup look like? Uh, because that's that's the challenge right because you do have a clear a clear number one right Kanto Seamers is going to play number one for them and then you have seemingly you know kind of a, a quartet of these experienced veterans um and then you have your you know uh you know uh two uh freshmen right so figuring out the pieces is going to be um you know the head coach's job and uh and we'll see we'll see how well they do that um but yeah, I think it's, I mean, those are Baylor-esque numbers at the bottom of the lineup, right? And they were a little bit inflated because it was only Big Ten conference play, but um, really impressive. And I think a few of them, I think the challenge is going to be how high do you move those players up in the lineup, uh, knowing that you really want to maintain the recipe that's been successful for you in the past few years. Yeah, no, and you look again for this team, the gap between uh, Kanto Siemens and Marzal is a .32 UTR gap. And then between her and uh, their freshman from Israel, whose last name escapes me right now, but Shelly, I just don't, I don't want to butcher it right here. Um, you know, there's a .27 gap between there. But then after that, from, you know, Shelly all the way through, 
really to Sidney Ratliff, it's a you know it's a .1 UTR difference. There's four players in the mix there who, according to the numbers, are all very similar. And of course, that doesn't even include Coley Allen, who the idea of her playing at six singles, even with her game style, just to get that experience at that position, that feels like a recipe for success. Before we get into the possible lineups, let's talk about the freshmen, though, because there are a couple of newcomers that are certainly interesting uh, in the mix. You look uh, for them in particular. Again, two they bring in here uh, as freshmen. You start with Sidney Ratliff, the freshman out of Columbus. You also bring in Shelly Brisniak. We're going to go with Brisniak, uh, the freshman out of Israel as well. She enters with a 10.33, I believe, UTR. Tell me about the new additions. Tell me what we can expect from them. Yeah, well, I'll start with Sydney Ratliff. Um, it's always good to see, you know, a native Ohioan stay in Columbus. I think she's Is actually it? from, well, for them. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I think she's actually from Columbus as well, or at least the surrounding area. Um, so, you know, good to see top 10 recruit from, you know, tennis recruiting. Um, and she started to adjust, you know, really well into um, into college tennis, which is always good to see. She's gotten a few good wins in the fall. Um uh, fall tournaments and she and Kanto Siemers just won the um, ITA regional in doubles so she'll be in San Diego this coming week playing doubles with Kanto Siemers so that'll be good for her to kind of see the highest level of college tennis in action um, so pretty big upside um, haven't seen a ton of her play but looking forward to doing that more uh, second freshman you mentioned um, Shelly Bresniak um, from Israel a little bit older I believe she's 21 maybe only 20 um, you know, reached WTA ranking of, of 790 uh, and was uh, fairly prolific earlier this year, kind of in the 15K circuit um, in kind of our uh, go-to hotspots um, in, in, in the Middle East, things like that. Um, not a ton of success in 2021 thus far in those tournaments, um, but, you know, it, it, enough to prove that she's, um, she's at the college tennis level, clearly. Um, and so I think... We need to see a little more from her. I think she's only played one fall tournament thus far, um, and it was some some decent results, some good wins, um, but definitely not anything that was, um, you know, groundbreaking. And obviously, you know, we'll see more as um, as she starts to play. But a few good wins, you know, like over Ali Sanford. I know she lost to Chloe back of Duke. Um, so you know, she's kind of modulating as she uh, as she starts uh, the the college tennis. Yeah, but look, this is a team that does not need much. It needs one of their freshmen to pop. And exactly. if you get two freshmen to pop, now you have seven players you feel comfortable about going into singles, and that's not meant to be disrespectful to some of the other returners who we just haven't seen as much of, in particular, of course, the players I'm referring to. You look at someone like a Kathleen Jones, can't say I know much about her game. Uh, you have another freshman in Dana, uh, Danny Sconely. I'm just going to assume that's a scone uh, as well entering the team. And we don't know much about them. You know, Lena Alley, we haven't seen too much of. Madeline Attaway as well. Yeah, uh, there's a bunch I would of- say... Sorry, yeah, I would say the, I was gonna say those last two. Um, they're both sophomores this year, so they were yeah. on um, they were on the roster last year. Didn't get much dual action, but they've been playing a lot uh, in the fall, particularly uh, at way. You know, she's had some decent results thus far, um, and you know, as you mentioned, this isn't a team who needs a ton of uh, additional players, but she's had some good results. You know, she had a win over Duke's uh, Baronkova when one of her fall results. Um, so clearly, she can play at kind of the, the lower lineup slots if needed. Um, and that goes a long way just as, um, as 
you know, teams get banged up with injuries, particularly this Ohio State team. I have some reservations around, you know, keeping everyone healthy. So just having those seven, eight, nine players will be really important. Absolutely. Depth and again, experience, plethora of that on yep. hands in Columbus here this season. Let's go to the possible lineups. When you look across the board, we've talked about it. Irina Kanto Simers is going to be your number one singles player. There's no doubt about that. But again, you look at the numbers from last season. I think Boulay seven and four at two. That's good enough. I think she stays at that number two singles position, and I think her power game and her athleticism translates to the top of the lineup. I think the best version of Isabel Boulay is the best, probably number two singles player, excluding the freshman I've yet to see. After that, though. I try to keep Coley Allen at number three singles as long as possible because the idea of replicating the recipe of Marzal and Dorme and one of the freshmen at four, five, and six, you know that works. And again, Coley Allen is one year more experienced and one year that more polished as a player and just, I like her in the heart of my lineup. I do. I think she can beat players who may have more talent than her and just through sheer competitive will and she's always going to be out there on court, you know. I guess I I saw a couple of not so great losses last season, but it feels like she's always out there at the end if her team needs her to be out there on court. That said, I mean, she's the natural pick just from record, right? How do you take Marzell out of the lineup? How the hell do you take Dorme out when they were combined 41-3 last season? Like if anyone's going to be, if any of the freshmen or the, or the sophomores are going to surpass anyone in singles, Maybe it's Allen, who you just say, you, Isabel, bring that energy at number one doubles, and then we'll let the other kids take it from here. Where are you at? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that's tough. I agree with you on the one and two. Um, if I'm 100% confident in um, Kanto Seamers, I'm like 85 90% confident in Boulay. Um, and by the way, I've yet to have the chance to speak with head coach Melissa Schaub, and I will try to speak with the head coaches of each and every men's and women's program we talk about here on our College Contender Series, as well as all of the Power 5 head coaches heading into the 2022 season. But that's a conversation for another time. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, those two feel like locks. It is the rest, right? Like, And if anyone's done it, I don't know. If you're going to play someone at three, do you go Marzal, Dorme, or throw one of the freshmen? Well, I, I struggled with, with this when I was thinking about possible lineups because it's pretty clear that the recipe last year worked. And if you are a betting person and you say, hey, I think one of Boulay and Allen are really going to turn it around, then we're feeling really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is it is really tough to to think about a situation where, where you move uh, Allen down. But I've been really impressed with Marzal, particularly in the fall. I think she's she has a few wins that, to me, demonstrate, like, she can play at that level. She beat Megan Davies of South Carolina. She just went three sets with Kari Miller. Um, she's playing really well. That to me is one you start to test the waters on of a, of a three and four switch. Um, you just need to make sure that Coley Allen is a lock. And if you can't guarantee that she's a lock at, at four or five or, or anywhere, then for Ohio state, she's, she's better off at three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with your logic. It's also worth mentioning once again, this team dropped four doubles points in 27 yeah. matches last season. Four of them. You know, Allen and Boulay were 15-3. and three. Regardless of Allen's struggles in singles, you feel damn good about her and Isabel as a lock at number one doubles, particularly, again, as returners here this season. 
Hoffbauer is gone, but you know Hearn Marzal, four, uh, twelve and three, excuse me, at the number two doubles position. Dorme, Canto Siemers, twelve and two. You imagine they could step up to the number two doubles position if you want to keep continuity, and then you know you find a new doubles partner for Lucia Marzal. I mean, again, I just. The, the why I'm so high on this Ohio State team, why I had to have them at number 10 is because if they go up 1-0, they're going to beat a lot of teams just because good luck finding four. Unless you've got the Pepperdine depth, unless you've got the Texas depth, you're just going to be hard-pressed to find four on these players uh, on this team because one of Arena and Boulay will be hot on a given day and they're going to steal one of those top two. And then good luck taking, you know, three of four from the bottom half of the lineup, which is what you have to do, and that's just incredibly difficult. And so this team's just got a lot of pathways to four points now, and they've also got a clear pathway to four. It's like doubles, four, five, six, or doubles, four, five, and we find one more. And it's just like this is a three-ish point team. And so that's why I think, you know, again, where are you with the doubles and just that continuity final thoughts on the lineup? Yeah, I mean, the doubles, right, you keep Boulay and Allen, and I think regardless of their contributions in singles, that's where they set the tone for the match, right? They bring that energy, they bring that fire to start all dual matches at one. Um, it seems already like they've found uh, a new pairing in Kanto Seamers and Ratliff. They just won the mm-hmm. ITA regional, um, so they'll slot in there, and then you have both uh, Marzal and Dorme who could play together. Right? Which feels together like once. a natural pairing, by the way. They're together in the singles lineup. <laughs> they're together in the doubles lineup. It just feels exactly. like that's going to work from a karma standpoint. Yeah. So, you know, I've always been high on Ohio State in doubles. Uh, that could be the 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 tie tucker bias right they seem to always play really good doubles uh, and i think this women's team is no different so um you know i think they're gonna have strong doubles they have in the past um i think the key question is where uh, my guess is that one of the two freshmen play i'd be hard pressed to see any of the other five getting knocked out um so far it seems like ratliff could slot in at the bottom of the lineup we just haven't seen um shelly uh neck from israel really at all enough to say so um and if you do do you slaughter in at five you know above dorme right you kind of keep that um so there's just a lot of possible a lot a lot of possible points um it's a high class problem really yeah no and that's why again the upside or the the floor of this team excuse me just feels really it's like where's the world where this doesn't go right like Allen has another poor season and the rest of the lineup stays the same. Stagnation is still a very good team for the like, because they were elite at the bottom of the lineup last season. So as long again as one of those freshmen clicks, yep. You just or one of the returners clicks, you just you feel like this team's got a big margin for error. Yeah, and I read about this in the article. I say, you know, <laughs> even if Boulay and uh, Allen maintain uh, this is still a, a really strong team, but look, I mean, Boulay and Allen, you see what they bring in doubles. Uh-huh. I would bet, you know, that one, if not both of those two seniors end up delivering the goods come spring. And I think this is going to be a team that no longer has some of those softer spots um, in wherever those two play in singles. Uh-huh. And you're just going to be tough, tough pressed to find um, any weak spots in the singles lineup. No. Well then with that said, let's switch things up. Let's get spicy. Let's offer some hot takes. I'm going to let you go first. Give me your spicy take about these Ohio State Buckeyes in 2022. About the Ohio State Buckeyes 2022. They're going to lose to Michigan in football. That's spicy take number one. Spicy take number two. Um, 
Well, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know about spicy. I always feel like spicy. Uh... Okay. Well, I think, I mean, I minimum, I think they're going to bat 500 at the ITA indoors. I'm going to predict they win three matches. Ooh, now we're talking. That yeah. is sufficiently spicy. Front draw, back draw, what are we thinking? Obviously a combination, but how far do they go in the front? So I was I was looking at this. Um, they have a good, like, kickoff draw. Um, so I, I, and I expect, I really think that they're going to carry over some mm-hmm. some – saltiness from that texas loss i think they're i think they're bummed about that i think they're gonna come out hot they always do in the indoor season so uh, you know they're gonna be seated like 12 ish um at the kickoff so i think they take out uh one of the higher ranked teams i was looking at kind of some of the potential matchups we could see i think they win that match um i think they lose the next match against one of the like top four seeds and then they win their next two backdrop matches it's a fair take and you know again this is a team past few seasons they're always scrappy at the national indoors and you know again yeah. the 4-3 losses they've taken over the past few seasons even when they've lost it has been so close and with all the veterans they have back you circle an event like this for that sort of breakthrough run how often do we see early in the season those experienced veteran teams such as Georgia Tech a few years ago making that run at the national indoors I think that's sufficiently spicy and it's at Wisconsin so we'll be and comfortable on the courts yeah. Nielsen Tennis Center, the site of COVID 2020, where Brandon Holt spread it to all of us. Uh, that's not true, by the way. That's a running gag. You, you're aware. I'm aware. Running gag. Yeah, yeah, you've heard it before. <laughs> um, but all right, that's your spice. Here's my spice. It's a preseason top 10. And I know the preseason top 10 is supposed to be a reflection of our thoughts of how the season is going to unfold. And I do think, given the success they are going to have, that Ohio State will be a top 10 team on accumulation come the end of the season. But this team does not have as high of an upside as Michigan. And I don't, I, like, I think Ohio State wins the regular season. I think Michigan wins the Big Ten tournament. I think Michigan goes further than Ohio State in the NCAA tournament. And I'll go further. Like, here's some UTRs for you. Just down the home stretch. I know. What a pivot here. Down the home stretch. That's what we call the zag. You did not see coming, Jay. Um, you, knew, you, you know it's supposed to be a hot take about Ohio State, not a hot take about your Michigan Wolverines. Well, I think the hot take is that Ohio State will not look as good at the end of the year as they do as the beginning of the year compared to some of these other season, uh, other teams. And it's because they are so experienced and there's a lot of talent returning. And there certainly is some uptight, upside to scrap. But, like, again, Cal. 63.42 power six utr to ohio state 62.67 now a lot of these are unbalanced because not everyone plays the same but cal's has a lead michigan 63.08 to ohio state 62.67 and you know virginia 63.43 to ohio state 62.67 and yet it feels like virginia can get a lot better you know duke 64.09 to ohio state 62.67 now one of the teams they lead right now in power six utr is stanford Stanford right now only a 61.22. I can just tell you right now that's wrong, uh, and we'll get to that conversation, spoiler alert, next week. Um, but I guess my hot take – well, it's not even – I don't know how hot it is. It's just like I, I don't – I think this Ohio State team has an extraordinary floor, and that's why like you can lock them in right now for an NCAA top 16 seed. They're going to host an NCAA region. They're going to beat everyone they're supposed to beat this year. But come May, with all the dangerous young Michigan freshmen and just, like, this Cal team figuring out the lineup, Oklahoma, as we mentioned at the start, figuring out the lineup, Florida State hopefully having a roster at that point, 
there's more upside in the unknowns of the other teams than there is in the known quality of Ohio State. I don't know if that's a hot take or just an observation. I'll let you be the judge. Uh, you were on one for a hot, for a hot take with the running Michigan. Oh, I mean, Michigan was like our NCAA champion. <laughs> like a senior, I mean, that was that was pretty wild. Um, so I agree with you, right? I mean, these are all known quantities, and with known quantities come limited upside. Um, and what I'm learning is that you uh, invest uh, big potential in these unknowns for upside. Um, so I, I don't think you're wrong, right? And like we're we're having conversations around like does Coley Allen return to having like a season she had freshman year, right? Mm-hmm. And she's clearly capable of it. She had a great record at number three. She's not had as strong a season lately. It's conversations about that they can regain form versus what does some freshman on Stanford or Michigan's campus look like? You know, eight months down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so I. I mean, I think you're right, um, but I think that that experience and floor will go a long way in carrying them through the season. Well, if I told you semifinals of the national indoors, but round of 16 at NCAAs, like that feels right. Like I, I like I don't think I think that's a pretty that would be first of all would that be a success for this Ohio State team? I don't know. That's like that's an interesting question, but I could see that pathway. So it's funny you talk about this this floor um, because as I as I outlined as their their goals uh, for this coming season the margin is pretty thin right yeah. like baseline like you should expect to make the round of sixteen yeah. and like as which by chef- the way is a massive step forward for so many programs out across the country and is a testament to what Coach Shop has built in Columbus yeah but that said that is the floor now right I mean you just need to look at their their history page and it's just like not making the NCAA tournament yeah. versus first, like first round, round first round, round. Yeah. exactly so to to say that this is like a, a given huge testament um and then to me the goal is quarterfinal right yeah. that would be the stretch goal semifinal final to me that's all off the table so the margin is very thin there um so I would say that a round of 16 it's tough to say it's a disappointment but I think they would I think you if you're Ohio State you're aiming for a quarterfinal this year I'd say um, quarterfinals of one of the the big events whether indoors or outdoors you got to make quarterfinals of at least one of them um I, see I think it matters much less around indoors like how far you go and just like how many matches did you how many matches did you win who'd you beat like that's what matters right sure um so that's more important um and but I mean that's kind of the age old story with a lot of these Big Ten teams is like how do you translate that indoor success? I mean uh, there was another semifinal team in what 2020, uh, your Wolverines who who came out firing. Yeah, but uh, would have won the NCAA tournament that year, so it doesn't count. Totally, were the preordained champs. I mean Nick B um, and Andre Styler had never lost. It's a true story. <laughs> so there are a lot of indoor teams and you see with the Ohio state men, right? So like translating that to outdoor successes um, is always the question. And so, yeah, I would say that semifinals indoors round of 16, that makes sense. But I, I think they have the ability to make the quarterfinals and that should be the goal. Yeah. I, I think that's completely fair. And you know, the running gag on these podcasts is always, I have 13 different quarterfinal teams. And Stachowiak was like, I'm taking note this year, Gruskin. Last year, you picked 11. Like, I'm not giving you 11. You get eight. And yeah. I was like, no, it's quarterfinal. I agree. Quarterfinals should be the expectation. That is, a- quarterfinals is a step forward. And, yeah. you know, again, by the way, a lot of this talent will be back in 2023. And it's just, it feels like with Coach Schaub, 
She has the team where she wants it to be. There's a lot of talent returning. I also do think this team could maybe be, just given their playing styles, they actually might be sneaky better outdoors than they are indoors. And something you said at the at the start, let's not, well, comparatively to other teams, they're better indoors. But I'm just saying, as a team themselves, I think they're plenty good outdoors. And to the point you made at the beginning, they pushed Texas in that first round of 16 match. And that was a young Texas team kind of getting the jitters worked out. And you could sort sure. of tell that in the performance. But why? when I keep bringing up the high floor of this Ohio State team, if you do not have your best tennis, they will beat you this year. That is how rock solid they are, one through six. And that's the steadiness and the competitiveness you see at each and every flight. And so with that in mind, there's only one thing left to do, Jay. Let's offer some predictions. Let's, you know, because we can't look at the schedule, I suppose, from a conference standpoint. Well, my final question to you, I guess, on a conference standpoint, if you want to go Northwestern, a little bit behind Michigan and Ohio State this season, where are you in the Buckeyes-Wolverines battle? (laughs) Obviously, Uh, we're leaning Ohio State if we have them 10. We are leaning Ohio State. Um, you know, I, I mentioned in the article, like, the goal for them is to be to go undefeated, right? They're really going to rue that one Michigan loss. It was, like, 7-6 in the third in one of the Carrie Miller-Arena um, Contosimers battles. Um, I think that's really hard to do in, in, in any conference, um, let alone in the Big Ten. So, you know, I, I anticipate that they'll that they'll drop. Um, it'll probably some be some tie again in the, the regular season. And I think Ohio State wins the tournament. Um, you know, I think Northwestern is not uh, like the number three tied for number one school they have been in the past. I think Iowa is sneaky good this year. I mean, just having Noel at the top. Um, and I think they match up kind of well with um, – with Ohio State, with their strength at the top. Um, so that's going to always be a sneaky matchup. Um, but yeah, I would say they, they win the Big Ten, and um, I'm going to say they... give them one of the eight spots? <laughs> no. Ooh, um, I like it, I like it. <laughs> I'm going to say they, they fall in the round of 16. All right, well, with all that pivoting I did, I think I might take them to make the quarterfinals. <laughs> <laughs> It's just going to be such a seed thing. And here's yeah. the thing. If they make the semifinals of the national indoors, which I actually feel pretty good about that take. Yeah. And then only lose to Michigan during the Big Ten season, that's a top ten seed. Yes. And just by virtue of being a top ten seed, I like them to get to the quarterfinals. If they have to match up with a Pepperdine or a, you know, a, a Texas, because we can give those two names away, I don't love that for them. Yeah. But anyone else, I like their chances. And that is why, that is why, yeah, f- it. I'll have them go to the quarterfinals. What is there to lose? Um, that's team That was my logic four. in the yeah, article, exactly. right? You, like, you kill the indoor season. You just, like, ride that ranking high to a good seating. It's a good take. Um, I, you know the rules here. To never be too ashamed to steal a good take. Um, yeah. And so it's, I mean, ugh. I'm just trying to think as I look at my list. Who I was going to say, I was going to say, that's one of eight. Yeah, because next week I got to get so spicy. Oh, I'm going to regret that. I'm looking at our list now, and I'm like, oh, who of these teams? No, no, because that's my swerve there. So that's one elimination. I need to eliminate a second team. All right, I found my two eliminations. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, Lock them in. Quarterfinals, one of eight. By the way, could also be Michigan. I'm going to put just an honorary Big Ten spot, and I'm going to blend Michigan in. So it's like whoever wins the Big Ten tournament between Ohio State and Michigan 
I predict will be that closer to the top 10 seed and thus subsequently be the team that advances to the quarterfinals. My whole hot take was about, it was just a hot take though. It wasn't the actual take. So I'll take Ohio State quarterfinals. I apologize. Oh, that take is going to be so spicy and so wrong. Um, but I'll find a way to build up to it later on. This is, again, thinking it all out loud. Leave it all in, Westoff. With that said, that's our number 10 team in our preseason rankings, the Ohio State Buckeyes. And, of course, again, you can read all about this team uh, on our website, CrackRackets.com, as John has written all about them. You can go watch a video on this team to hype you up on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. It's just me narrating John's article that I think you'll all enjoy. Uh, and then, of course, hopefully we will have Melissa Schaub on the Cracked Interviews podcast at the time you are listening to this. So you can go check out that interview, hear her thoughts on her Buckeyes here in 2022. And again, we'll be back each and every week to preview our top 10 teams heading into the 2022 season. We're two podcasts in, Jay. Again, you're quickly ascending up the most podcast appearance rankings. The big number <laughs> is getting to number two because, not you know, again, a lot of people get to one. It's about getting to two. And yeah, I got us backed. Yeah. <laughs> As you will continue to be. Any final thoughts? Any other things on the no ad, uh, no problem blog that I know we should be looking out for? Because I know you have some fun stuff on the horizon. Um, I mean, just check out the you know collegians on tour. I've been updating that, which has been fun um, and really illuminating as well. Um, seeing kind of who who's in action, which is always um, Alexander always Rico of Arkansas is like quietly killing it this fall. Yeah. So super excited. I'm planning on doing like a, a fall recap um, yeah. of that. I have all that data in a spreadsheet as well. So, um, you know, it's going to be some fun. That will be a tables. separate podcast if you don't mind. That'll okay. just be an off-brand <laughs> podcast to work your numbers up. Yeah, it's super fun. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think that's it. Um, you know, really looking forward to it. Uh, love, you know, College Contender Series. Excited to be doing this for the women. Um, so, yeah, thanks for having me on. And uh, OH10. Oh, you know, I'll do that with the coaches, so I won't do it here because I sell out when I'm with them. Um, but so here's the question. They didn't listen to it last time um, because I was on the phone with them. and I was like, you guys know Jay was on the pod. And Chris was like, Jay was on the pod? He's like, what? And I was like, okay, so you don't check your feeds. That's yeah, fine. Stokoyak goes, oh, no, I listened. And so he will perhaps make it to this point. Will Chris make it to this part of the podcast? I'm about to talk a bunch of shit about his old ass, like – don't even get me started on the flaws of Chris. Do you want to do 10 no. minutes on the flaws of Chris Heather? What it's like to share a room with him? Uh, I, don't, I don't want to hear that. Uh, <laughs> Chris won't make it this far, but I am – I'm going to have to send Matt a DM. I'm surprised I didn't get any message or, you know, I don't even think he liked the tweet. Um, so, okay. That's because you, he Matt. doesn't – that's because he – talk about a person who keeps my ego in check. That's because he makes it a point never to compliment me. He's like, no, 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 you, you don't get that. But I know he well, – He and I don't have that agreement, yeah. so he's welcome to compliment <laughs> me. <laughs> it's a good take. I like it. A good take to end the podcast. Well, as always, John, pleasure. It's at JTweetsTennis now. It is. JTweetsTennis. I welcome all DMs and comments. Mm-hmm. And Happy as always, Jay, I was going to say, we appreciate having you on the show. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Gruskin. Hope all of you enjoyed our conversation breaking down number 10 Ohio State. Of course, as always, any disagreements you may have with John and I, please 
feel free to express them. I'm at Great Shot Pod. He's at J Tweets Tennis. And again, this is the first of 10 consecutive weeks of college contender action. We are so excited to get all of us fans amped up for the 2022 season. Of course, you can expect men's episodes to drop every Thursday, women's episodes to drop every Tuesday. You'll be able to find the Cracked Interviews podcast with those head coaches on those days as well. You'll be able to read John and Matt's articles on those days as well as, again, we try to get all of you prepared for another exciting season of college tennis. Of course, there are still some things happening in the pro tennis world as well. If you've missed out on any of the action, you can catch up on it all on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, make sure you like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the Mini Break Podcast, our Cracked Interviews Podcast, and YouTube channel so that you don't miss out on any of our content. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out, as well, to our friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. Promo code is CR15. With all of that said, for our Cracked Rackets contributor, John Parsons, super producers, Fligner and Westoff, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot. And we'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.